Welcome to the For Columbus Podcast. Sharing inspiring stories of local faith leaders from congregations, parachurch ministries, and the marketplace. With your host, Adam Ward. Well, hello, listeners. And today is another treat from out of town. I'm so glad to have my friend Dave Runyon on the show. Dave, welcome. Adam, it's great to be here. Dave is the executive director of City Unite in Denver. Uh, prior to that, he was a pastor for, I don't know, what, 10 years or so? And yeah, then decade. he also co-authored a book, which has been tremendous in discipleship or evangelism. I don't know. How would you categorize that? I, I wouldn't even know what to categorize. Helping people, <laughs> helping people be friends with the people that they live around. <laughs> and that book, and that book is called "The Art of Neighboring," and uh, we we've had a bunch of art art of neighboring workshops all around Columbus. Um, your co-author came here and spoke uh, as spoken a few times. I don't think have you been to Columbus before, Dave? Or I've never been to Columbus, but God has placed all of these Ohio State fans in my life just to torture <laughs> me. Uh, and I just want to say this: it's all of you Columbus Ohio State people. You're the worst. Uh, you just, you just pour salt in the wound all the time. Uh, it's all about, you know, OH and all this stuff. So I'm just a tortured person living in, I do live in a pretty awesome spot, but we have awful, awful college football right now, um, out here. And so, but I get to, I get to see the mountains every day. So you guys probably don't get to see that. No, in fact, <laughs> if we've never lived that left this city, then we've never seen a mountain in our life, but, uh, we'll get past this Buckeye bashing. And uh, okay, another a, another painful year for us on a number of fronts. Well, number one, we we lost to our uh, chief rival for the first time in a long time. Number two, we're not in the college playoffs again, missed by a couple of spots. And then our former coach got canned recently from the <laughs> Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars um, before the season even ended. So. Right. Uh, we're looking forward to the bowls anyway. At least we can maybe pull out a win there, but. Yes. Well, I'm glad I could endear myself to your primary audience right off the bat. Yeah, I'm going to look. And I'm going to see a bunch of partial downloads and a bunch of partial <laughs> listens. And, uh, and that's going to be the end. <laughs> I actually I talked to Dave last year about evangelism this summer. I don't know if he remembers this. We we're talking about doing a, a special podcast series on evangelism here. But I met Dave in uh, Denver, well, in Estes Park, where he helped me fly my drone through a barn um that in one cool. window and out another window so but uh dave also spoke to i don't know what three dozen city leaders and kind of shared yeah. the work he was doing there and so i wanted to get him on here because there are leaders around columbus that have been using some of his stuff and then i want to talk about his transition from a pastoral role to the stuff he's been doing for the past few years of faith and work stuff but dave let's talk about the ada art of neighboring first and what, what was kind of the premise behind that? And what, what was the simplicity of the model that made it uh, work? Yeah, well, Adam, I was doing a lot of work similar to what you're doing there in Columbus and helping faith and government and business leaders connect and to serve people in need to work for the common good in my city. And so we started doing that by just bringing, well, first of all, we started doing that by meeting in pockets around the Denver metro area uh, because it was really hard to get everyone in the metro area in one spot. Right. So we just started thinking about geography and bringing uh, leaders together. And so we started with pastors and we put a lot of pastors from different faith streams in the room and just started to think about 
Jesus' prayer in John 17 for unity. We got excited about the idea of working on the same team and serving our city together. And then we realized we didn't know our city well enough to be able to figure out what's the smartest thing that we could do together in our community. Mm. Uh, and that was a humbling and convicting moment, to be honest yeah. with you. And so um, we started to meet with civic leaders. And so we would bring in the police chief or the city manager or the mayor, and we would just learn their story, interact with them. And then we would always ask them, okay, if you could mobilize the body around one thing in our community, what would it be? And we learned so much from having those community conversations. I would encourage any of you out there, um, start having coffees and lunches with other faith leaders in your area, and then look to your civic leaders, the people who God has put in authority, and just ask them, you know, what do you get a lot of calls for that, that you don't know what to do with? Or, you know, where do you feel stuck? Uh, if you could wave a magic wand and change something in our city, what would you do? And because what happened to us as we started to have those conversations is the kingdom started to break out and we started to do uh, school and church partnerships. We started to think about isolated elderly. And in one of those meetings, our mayor said, you know, if you have the biggest impact on our city, you should start a neighboring movement. Hmm. And he was, he, he did not get the irony of him telling a bunch of pastors that if they did the most basic thing the Bible said to do, then it would like change our whole city. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, he's a prophet, didn't know it. No. <laughs> exactly. And so, and that sent me, Adam, on a journey personally. As a pastor at that time, I wasn't very involved in my neighborhood. I was super busy uh, trying to help people figure out life with their spouses and with their kids and doing all this stuff at church and sermons. And then I was serving on a, a different, you know, series of nonprofit boards. And I just didn't have margin to really be available and interruptible in my own neighborhood. Mm. And, and so this one little comment from our mayor, and, and you know, he talked about the fact that when people know their neighbors, they, they don't need a lot of the programs that the government is trying to create for those mm. that need. Like, like right. if, you're growing, if you're growing older and more isolated, and he, he used an example, they were raising like $2 million for this program. Um, but he said, and, and the program will be good and all that kind of stuff. He said, but what we know is this, is if that person who doesn't have family around, who's growing older, is known by the people in their apartment complex or in their neighborhood, uh, they, they don't, they're never going to need this program. And he said this beautiful line. He said, what we're learning at the city is that relationships always trump programs. Wow. And, and yeah, God just used that moment with our mayor to just send me on a journey of just kind of going back to the basics and to think, you know, drawing a circle around the place where I live and to say, okay, I'm going to create time. I'm going to spend time in my front yard. I'm going to learn and retain and use the names of my neighbors and be really intentional about it. And that was about 11 years ago. And I just can't tell you the difference, the difference in my life now from 11 years ago to drive into a neighborhood uh, we have, I live on this little loop with 42 homes, uh, the relational connections, you know, we probably, you probably, I've lived in neighborhoods before people just kind of wave and that was it. The garage door goes up. Right. Right. Down. And to live and to experience what I have now is so rich and, and my neighborhood is different. My wife and I, and our kids are different. Uh, and it's just been, it's been a gift to us. And you asked, you know, is this evangelism or discipleship? We've, you know, what we've learned is if people go into this thinking this is some kind of evangelism deal, 
um, it doesn't work. Mm. But when people see this, don't start a, with a solution in the end, right? That's I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, people don't want to feel like pro our neighbors don't want to feel like projects. And yeah. they, most of our neighbors have had weird experiences with Christians over the course of their life. And so sure. when a Christian, especially a pastor like I was, starts like showing up and going, hey, trying to like be nice, learning names, they're like, okay. What weird thing is this guy getting ready to, getting ready to <laughs> <Right>. do? <laughs> but what we've learned is like when we realize that even if our neighbors don't take a step towards God, that Jesus' command to love our neighbors still stands. When we see this as a practice of, of a rhythm of the way that we do life, people and, they, and people don't feel like projects. They go, man, this, this person like is curious about my life. I'm curious about it. Then like people like get curious about Jesus all over the place. And so um, it's kind of a contrarian thought, but we just feel like this is a discipline and that when we do this, when we're obedient to what, to the most basic thing that Jesus said, and when we take it literally, uh, that the, the spiritual curiosity of the people that were around just starts to rise in a real significant way. I mean, that's awesome. You, we've seen it with alpha, right? Um, alpha groups are, you know, do totally. a very similar thing. And I, man, gosh, so my church is in a pretty well-to-do suburb of Columbus. And we have this 200 and something track trailer park, not even half a mile from our property. Yeah. And I, I just feel guilty sometimes. I'm like, man, have we done, a, have we done something with them? Do we know them? I mean, they're the closest neighborhood to our church. And yeah, I, I you know, I, I feel bad about that. And, and the cover of your book has a three by three matrix on it um, yeah, it looks with like a, a house looks like in the middle. Yeah, it looks like oh, a tic-tac-toe board. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the significance of that? So that that's like a hundred times better than the book. So I just want you to know, like, <laughs> like everything that happened in my city was a result of that refrigerator magnet. It's and so it's a little refrigerator magnet, but when I first did it, you just make one, just draw a piece of paper, draw a tic-tac-toe board, put your house in the middle. And just a little scorecard to, to help people, number one, realize how many of my neighbor's first names do I know? Like, how, like right now, if, I, if you're listening to this, you know, just draw a tic-tac-toe board, your house is in the middle, and just think about your eight closest neighbors, okay? They don't, it doesn't need to be literal, like back and forth. Like, just think if you walk out of your condo, you know, door, or your apartment, or your ranch, or your house, who are the eight closest units to you? Mm -hmm. And then how many of the, how many of the first names of those people can you write down? And when I did that, Adam, I, I realized, oh my goodness, I could only write down both of the adults' names in two of the houses. And I had met all those people. Uh, and God just used that to convict me and basically say, hey, like, if you're going to love your neighbor, if you're going to do like what I asked, if you're going to love your neighbor, it might be helpful to know their first names. Oh, man. <laughs> and so, and so that was just Ooh, a starting. Yeah. That was just a starting point. And and for me and for a lot of my friends in our community, what that little magnet, we turned it into a refrigerator magnet. The cover. That, you have a little magnet that goes on. Yeah, yeah. No, not the cover. Like if, like. That tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe board. Yeah. Uh, okay. That little tic-tac-toe board is now a, a refrigerator magnet. And I think, I think we have given out or sold about 480,000 of those now. Oh, um, and half a million. Wow. And, and what what's encouraging to me about that is that that means people are starting to, to regain a theology of place. And they're mm. starting just with the most basic thing of like, if you make a commitment just to learn and retain and use your neighbor's names, if that's all you do, you, it'll totally mess up your life. 
Like, he, like that's the first little step, but it's like stepping on this moving sidewalk. My friend mm. Brian Mavis says that. It's like stepping on a moving sidewalk because, and some of your neighbors, that'll, it'll end there. You'll just learn their names and they're busy and all that stuff. But some of your neighbors, you learn their name, you use their name, and you start to follow the breadcrumbs. And what you're going to, you're going to be like me. You're going to get five years into this thing and you're going to go, I can't believe I used to live any other way. I can't wow. believe I'm so in love with the, the connections and the community that exists with the people around me. Um, and so that's why, that's why I say that magnet is better than the book. It really is. It's the, <laughs> it's just this little tool. It's a little tool that helps people take the first step to engaging in their literal neighborhoods. And, and so that's why it's, we've been huge, hugely blessed by that tool and, and what it's done. I'm guessing, you know, more than two sets of couples now. <laughs> I get, I can fill them out. And now we've got, <laughs> now we've got this incredible block directory in, in which the kids that want to mow lawns, it says, Hey, if you want somebody to mow lawns, or if you're looking for a babysitter or, you know, and it has everybody's name and their email. And then, you know, one of the women on the other side of the block who, who isn't, in, you know, not yet a believer. She, did, she took all the emails and it's like, Hey, uh, and this was years ago. She's like, the guys are always hanging out. Like, let's go let's go line dancing together and so she ended up and they had everybody from an 82 year old woman uh to somebody in their mid-20s and you know there was 25 ladies going out line dancing and hanging out and then they just decided that that's going to be a rhythm that they do so they just do ladies nights out now all the time uh and just leave all of us guys in the neighborhood to to like try to protect our kids from <laughs> from themselves and from us yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you look like if you say average church is 120 people or so and in yeah. Columbus, the average house is, you know, just over two, you we could if, if it's just the eight around, then you're talking almost a thousand people that could be impacted. Yeah. And, and you've got your little 42 house track that has been changed because of that. And that's way more than eight. And I love that. I think that's great. If people if leaders want to find out more about the art of neighboring, is there how, where would they do or where could they pick the magnet up or order magnets yeah, for their congregation? So, yeah, artofneighboring.com. Um, we don't make any money off those magnets, by the way. They're cheap. That's why we have that's why there's four hundred and eighty thousand of them out there, probably. <laughs> um, but you know, I, and there's all kinds of resources. There's small group and we try to give everything away. Um, so there's free small group study guides there's an entire sermon series so if you're a pastor when we first did this in our city we did a joint sermon series with 26 churches oh wow and and what i what i learned i was like man everybody's like dude how did you do that it's so hard i'm like no we we gave pastors three weeks off from having to do sermon prep uh so like we oh. they didn't have to do prep for three weeks. so we wrote this sermon series and everybody's like, yeah, I would love to have a break from prepping, <laughs> from prepping sermons <laughs> and having that final exam every Sunday. So there's right. a sermon series guide on there. There's small group studies. There's uh, some tools around thinking about meeting other faith leaders in your community. Um, so all that's on artofneighboring.com. And most of it's all just there for free. And so if you want to learn more about that, kind of take a deeper dive, um, feel free. But and it, I just want to say this, um, it's, it's so simple. Like it is like, it's not rocket science. And I think that's part of Jesus's, you know, genius mm. was that, you know, he, you know, I remember I drove back from that, that meeting with the mayor that day. And I had a lot of thoughts going into my head. Um, but one of them, I just thought, oh my goodness, what if, what if when Jesus gets asked to condense the entire Bible into one thing, he says, love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and 
love your neighbor. Right. Like love your neighbors yourself. What if, what if Jesus gave us a very simple, practical, strategic plan that if every believer did it, it would change the world overnight. Man. And I, that thought has haunted me for a long time. And what was really convicting to me is I wasn't doing it. It's like, mm. what if Jesus gave us this amazing plan to change the world? And what if, what if myself, <laughs> oh, as a pastor, what if, what if as a pastor, I wasn't doing it. And, and just reflecting on that and wrestling through that has been really important for me and, uh, and for a lot of others. Well, and I think the amazing thing here is that when I asked you to be on this podcast, you, you wondered, you know, do we want to talk about this at all? You've, you've used this kind of as a launch pad to do a bunch of other amazing work in the city that you're, you're almost more willing to talk about. And I remember when, <laughs> when we were in, you know, we were in Col when I was out in Colorado, you know, or earlier this year, you're like, ask me about my faith and work stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've loved the neighboring stuff. Um, and, and what it led me to in now, and I'm still doing a lot of the neighboring stuff, but what, where it's kind of pushed me down the road. So with the neighboring stuff, the key was we just looked at people and said, Hey, what you do in your front yard counts what you do out there is sacred. And the next kind of iteration of that has been that the same thing is true at work. Mm. What we do, what we do at the place where many of us spend the majority of our time is sacred. And, and so, and I, there's so much good writing out there right now on this and, and great tools. And I'm certainly not an expert, um, but I have been, falling into it's kind of like the neighboring thing um i'm just trying to figure out like how do you do this for dummies like how do you how do you set the bar so low that people can't crawl underneath it and so like, <laughs> the, like so i'm not like the theology person or the you know i'm not a, a thought leader but i am now getting really excited about some of the work that we've been doing of helping people business leaders but especially people who have direct reports or who are owners or management positions, helping them get some real practical ideas about the way that they can integrate their faith and work. And so um, a lot of the people I was around were starting to learn, yeah, I, I want to integrate my faith and work, but what does that look like? And so uh, we and let me Let right. me just interject there, Dave, for yeah, a yeah. second. A lot of pastors, at least the ones that I've had uh, in my life, have never been in that professional arena um, working in a business environment, but I can't tell you how many times that I've been sitting in the sanctuary, listening to someone say, reach those people in your business arena. Yeah. And so I am I'm, I'm imagining that you've got something profound, even though you don't call yourself a thought leader, you're actually getting results here. So what, what is, what are some of the things that you're seeing? Hey, here's some yeah. basic stuff that you can actually do this without being the weird evangelist. Totally. Yeah, totally. Well, and let me tell you how it happened to me. That's a great thought because so as a pastor, uh, I was pastoring and there was this guy in our, and he was a volunteer in our children's ministry. And I, when I first saw him, he was doing puppet shows. And, and I also knew that he had a business where he had 80 employees. And I remember at, like looking at him, I'm like, how did you end up doing this? And he's like, well, I took a spiritual gifts test. And then they told me like, you know, <laughs> serving children's ministry. And I was like, oh no. I'm like, hey, I don't want to like tell you the truth. We probably gave you a spiritual gifts test and then just needed somebody in children's ministry. And I oh, said, have you, 
What, I got. I got to edit that out. We can't let that secret out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm like, hey, you know what? I love what you're doing, children's ministry. Keep doing it. But what? What are you thinking and dreaming about at your place of work? I mean, you're with these people for 45 hours a week, and you have 80 people who look to you. You're in this incredible position that you could leverage. And he just looked at me. He's like, I've never like, you know. He's like, well, you know, we give. We we give to some great things, and we tie it off of our company, and that was cool. And he. He began to invite me in to his place of work. I, I want, I began to show up there, um, but he invited me. He said, Hey, we're having our end of the year deal. Will you come do a talk about servant leadership? Mm. Um, and we went and did that. And then he, I just started spending more time at his place of work and met some of his key employees as we, as he and I were thinking and praying and dreaming about what is the next step. And, mm. and by the way, that was 2010 that he started to invite me into his place of work, but he, just, I was just curious. He was open and he gave me a lab. He gave me a masterclass in the faith and work stuff and how to do it in, in real practical ways. And since that time, some other, a number of other business owners have uh, come in and just said, Hey, would, would you put eyes on some of this stuff? Or what did, what did you see over there that might be transferable here? And so we've built, um, and there's, I work for an organization called City Unite and at cityunite.org slash work or on the work page, you can just go find it. Um, there is a document that's just best practices for faith-driven business owners. And it's just a menu of seven or eight different things that we've seen work at companies. And it's everything from, uh, one of the things I did with my friend Wes, uh, he was the guy who the, has this company, but we would do serve days. Everybody has these employee volunteer programs, sure, but they're really underutilized. And, and it gets real interesting when Christian business owners start thinking of themselves as the local missions pastor of their company. <laughs> and, and that's what Wes did. He started thinking about himself. And so we did these surveys. And so all of a sudden he starts mobilizing his people out into the city. And we started helping people figure out what are you passionate about? And we started connecting them to different organizations. And then they started coming back and telling the stories. Mm. Uh, and he had uh, senior level leaders doing this alongside of some of his entry, you know, frontline workers and the relational stuff, the way that that started to reshape the culture of his company, um, was just profound. And so, you know, do it, starting something like that. And so on this little menu that's, uh, that's there and you can put a link to it if you want, Adam, or, but it's just, yeah, I will some, put it in the show notes. There's story, there's some three or four minute stories of companies that have done some of these things. And then there's some other further, if you want to take a deeper dive, there's some resources there. Um, and so, but just, I, I think there's a lot of writing about company culture right now. And I think at the end of the day, what company culture is, is it's whether or not you have a sense of belonging mm. on your team and at your place of work. And I think all of us have a deep God-given, um, believers and non-believers have, have a God-given desire to a sense of belong, uh, want to belong. And man, when you can, when you can create that at work, it's on fire. Uh, I know one of the biggest things right now is retention of employees yeah. And, oh, yeah. and loyalty. When you, when you have a family, when some of you have large companies or small companies, you can do this in small, you know, in a lot of different ways. But when you, when there's a family type atmosphere at a place of work, you can't, the, the odds of people getting pride away go way, way down. Right. And so, um, so anything like, you know, I'm just getting really excited about seeing business owners do some simple things. And, and what I've just encouraged people to do and where I got stuck in some of the faith and work, um, it's overwhelming. 
And so I just encourage people just like learning a neighbor's name, just, just pick one thing. Mm. So for you, maybe it's, Hey, I'm going to start this employee volunteer program this year and that's it. And, mm. or maybe it's, I'm going to do a relational leadership structure where everyone on my staff once a month has a cup of coffee with, with a direct report that this take work off the board and have a, just a cup of coffee and say, Hey, what's going on right now at home? What, what's life giving? What's life draining for you right now? Where do you feel like just beginning to create a kind of a relational dynamic? Uh, and then, so it's all these ideas that start with kind of simple things. And then I think kind of the graduate level of a lot of the faith and work stuff is when you do the intentional hiring stuff. And that is, you know, you partner with a nonprofit or, you know, a, an organization that's helping people get back on their feet, but providing jobs, giving um, jobs, being a second chance hires or intentional hiring. It is the most life-changing work that I've ever been a part of. Mm. Like uh, Bob Lupton wrote the uh, toxic charity. Bob said this to me several years ago. He said, a good job is the antidote to poverty. He said of all the work he's done, he's done all kinds of incredible work. And he said, it's the, it's the only thing that ejects people for the long term out of one season of life and into another. Wow. And, and so when employers start to think creatively about hiring and when they start to think about, you know, one of the things that we did is we worked with a, an organization here that helps um, teenagers that have had kids or pregnant teens get back on their feet. And so we started to go out and give jobs to these young women at different companies. And there's a lot of women that either that probably had to drop out of high school and get a GED, but they were bright and they were motivated and they had grit. And all they needed was somebody in a position, a decision maker, right. to say, I'm willing to roll the dice wow. with you. Um, and it's really hard work. And it's also really profound and powerful. Um, and so anyway, there's just, just helping business leaders and business owners um, do things that shift and create a kingdom culture in their company has been really fun. And, and so I've still, I still love the neighboring stuff, but this is, it's kind of, been thrusting me into this new work that uh, that's been life-giving for me. Yeah, man. I, and we, I got to get a little bit more behind the curtains with Dave, but we, we don't have time to get into that now. So I, I, I encourage you leaders, pastors, if you know a business professional that you think can use this, forward this podcast to them. Business professionals, if you want to get started on that, go to cityunite.org slash work. Check out what they have there. Um, Dave, before, before we end, there, there were these small booklets you were handing out in Denver and you're like, take these, these are funded, they're free and they're amazing. And uh, they yeah. are. And I have one right here and it is about the life and teachings of Jesus. Can you just talk about that real quick before we wrap up? Yeah. I got introduced to this from a, a friend here in the, uh, along the front range and he just had his whole world turned upside down because he had grown up in kind of a religious environment and walked away from it. I was just kind of turned off by a lot of the religion stuff, but a, a friend of his said, Hey, would you just, would you just consider just reading through the gospels and just thinking through like, is, is the way that Jesus talks about living the best way to live? And so this friend of his was like trying to strip away some of his baggage around right. religion, and, sure. and he just invited him to do that. And he got his world rocked. And it was one of these amazing 180 stories. And and he and some of his other friends in the front range have decided they, they put together this little uh, book. I mean, it almost looks like a journal and it's just the chronological. Yeah, it does. It's, it's actually it's nice. Like, yeah. So, and, and it's very, 
um, anyone, the non-believer or believer would not be like, feel weird about, you know, it doesn't, it's not say the Holy Bible and all this kind of stuff because, <laughs> and here, here's why I love this tool. Uh, and it, it's, so it's the integrated, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chronological kind of in, integrated through, and it's just the life and the teachings of Jesus. And I have found this Adam to be one of the most accessible ways to invite some of my friends who don't know God to just consider Jesus. Mm. And I just used it to, to with old high school friends and with people in my neighborhood and just I mean, handed out and said, Hey, listen, um, I love the simplicity of this, but would you, would you, what, uh, would you be up for reading this and just kind of thinking through the filter of like, is the way that Jesus talks about living the best way to live? And then can we just have a cup of coffee afterwards? And, you know, it's been really, I, I grew up, my parents were on staff with crusade. I love crew. Um, and, but I grew up in like the four spiritual laws thing of like evangelism was, okay, you got to go and sit down with people, explain to them that, you know, the fall and that they're broken and, and then draw the bridge and all kinds of stuff. And I, that still works. Um, but for me, I, it, this has almost been like discipleship before evangelism. I'm, mm. I'm just inviting people like, Hey, would you try on some of the things that Jesus talks about and see what that, see how that works out in your life. And then, and I found as some people have done this, one of my neighbors was at work just struggling with some group dynamics at work and that he was leading. And I just said, Hey, have you ever like thought about how Jesus like thinks about groups and what he teaches about group leadership? It's like, no. And so I just said, all right, why don't you just read through Luke and just through this filter of groups and see if, see if there's anything in there that can help you at work. And he did it. And and the work stuff, it was fine. It wasn't like some magic or work stuff, but it gave him and I this incredible conversation. It just started this amazing conversation between him and I about Christianity and about God and about Jesus. That is still that conversation is still going today. Um, and so anyway, that little tool has been awesome. They're all free. So like these guys are funding this thing and they're just giving what so you you could write them and just go, hey, can you send me 10 of those books? Um and you could take keep one for yourself and read it, give it out to nine friends. And, and that website is plusnothing.com. So there's, I'm not plugging anything because they're free. <laughs> right. But, but it's, it's plusnothing.com. And just go on there and order a few. And I didn't, I thought this can't be real. And then, yeah, they just show up in the mail and you can, you can go from there. So, <laughs> well, we just had a guest last week that was responsible for a marketing campaign that's being launched in 10 cities across the U.S. here in Columbus is one of them. It's a he gets us. It's it's uh, a ways Jesus relates to us as people. And I just think this would be a phenomenal follow up for people who are seeing that ad to say, hey, you saw that ad about, you know, Jesus mom being a uh, teen mom or you saw that part where, you know, Jesus could relate to us this way. Why don't you read this book and check it out? And you can go to plusnothing.com and get free copies. So yeah. I think that's a good, great one, two combo, man, Dave. Ah, I could go on like two or three episodes with you. I mean, we just keep going, but uh, no, this is fun. Really fun. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. I love your work. Uh, appreciate our friendship. Um, thank you so much. Hey, I, I am so grateful for what you're doing there in Columbus, Adam. And I think, I think good things happen when the body starts working together. And I think the, the kingdom breaks out and it's going to be exciting to see what happens over the coming years because of what you and your team are doing in your city. Thank you. Us too.
us too. <laughs> cool. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes helps get the word out.